What's going on, everybody? Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome into the Bell Ringer podcast hosted by Sixers Wire of USA Today Sports Media Group. I am your host, the editor of the Sixers Wire site, Kai Carlin. Now, today, guys, uh, I have a very, he's a really good, close, personal friend of mine. Uh, he's, a, he's also a big Sixers writer over at the, uh, the Painted Lines. Uh, you've probably seen him on Twitter with wild takes left and right. Uh, you, you probably see him. <laughs> you, you probably see him piss off the Miami Heat fan base. Oh my! My guy, Austin Krell. Austin, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me aboard, Kai. It's a, it's a pleasure. It's, a, it's an honor to finally be on the Sixers Wire via USA Today. I've been plugging it all day that I was going to be on a USA Today podcast. So everyone's like, ooh, okay. <laughs> I mean, listen, that USA Today, man, like, you know, that, that, that brings you places. That brings you places. I'm lucky to be able to be here, man, in all honesty. So, Austin, my guy, listen, there, we are six days away from the 2020 NBA draft. And are, are we confident at all that Daryl Morey will, will make a pick at 21? No, I'm not actually. And exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Like, like my dad asked me about this last night, and I was saying, look at the head coach of the team who historically doesn't trust rookies that that much. Right. Look at that. Look at the president of basketball operations who hasn't had a first round pick since 2014. Right. Read read the room. <laughs> exactly. There is no way they're going to make a pick on draft night. Oh, uh, at least in the first round, but. Just for the hell of it, me and Austin are going to come up with our with our top three kind of draft prospects that we see at 21. We'll probably have like the same. We'll probably have similar choices here at 21. Now, obviously, the team has obvious needs. They need a shooter. They need some ball handling. They need somebody to space the damn floor so Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid can go to work. So, Austin, my top three off the top of my head are Terrell Terry from Stanford, Desmond Bain of TCU, and Cole Anthony. Out of North Carolina, like those are my top three kind of options at twenty-one. Yeah, I I think so. I, first of all, I don't think there's any kind of clear-cut option. Like I, I don't think there is either. Yeah, I think that this draft is so middle-heavy. I mean, I've done close to twenty evaluations. I mean, I've watched like almost sixty college basketball games. I did three games per player, which is exhausting. But yeah, I'm sure um, it is. Oh yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> I'm sure it um, is. <laughs> um, but what has kind of stood out to me is that there's really no clear cut like this is the guy to take there's a lot of guys that, that, that are three and d role players that that can that can that can shoot uh can guard out in the wing um i don't think terry's gonna be there at 21 i just i i think he's like very high up on a lot of teams lists and i think behind kyra lewis out of alabama he's like right there and as like one of the top five six point guards available in this draft. And then, I mean, you have Killian Hayes up front, obviously amongst other people, right. but um, I, I think Terry's a good fit. I just don't think he'll be there. Cole Anthony, if he's there, you have to take him. Um, and Desmond Bain, I also like a lot as well. So a lot of the same picks, but one guy that I am really interested in, intrigued by is Aaron Neesmith. Um, oh yeah. I, I, you know, he's not going to be there at 21. I mean, he's ranked 13th overall on, I think, ESPN's big board. Yeah. But there's, like, a lot of guys that you could see, like, okay, this guy is this, – this guy could, like, fall back a little bit. Um, there's just a lot of wings in this class, and I think eventually one is going to be pushed back far enough where they're in reach where they can maybe – if they do decide to go with a draft pick, maybe trade up one or two spots to, to get to that guy. But there's just so many 3 and D wings in this draft that – I find it hard to like piece together who's going to go where without pushing somebody who I think will go higher down. Honestly, I, I really think that like when it comes to this draft, like obviously the Sixers have their their needs and everything, but 
there are some guys that you just mentioned. Like, I love Neesmith. Another guy I really love is Sadiq Bey. Yeah. Like, like guys who can really shoot it. And they're not bad defenders either. Like, they can go on the other end and hold their own against, you know, perimeter guys, even at the next level. But I truly don't believe this. I don't see the Sixers trading up in this draft because we both know Maury's history. So it's like if they take if, if they do take a pick, it's going to be at 21. Um, I think I saw ESPN come out with their mock draft two days ago and they had them taking Leandro Balmero from I, I, I don't get that. Like I just didn't I think that was like a lazy pick by ESPN, truthfully. Right. But it, it, like in my head though, it kind of made sense because like if Maury were to make this pick. And what you mentioned about Doc Rivers' history with rookies, Maury's history with rookies, I mean, he, he's not going to play this year. He's going to play in three years, and he'll probably be a lot more seasoned than what he would be right now. So it's like, okay, we have a draft. We have a, and also it could be an asset to be used later in a trade. So I was going to ask you, like, what if, would it shock you if they package that pick to move back like four or five, maybe six spots? And then they get like another first back late first rounder for this year two one or two second rounders. And then they use those picks as part of a bigger package. Like maybe let's say, I don't know, Ben Simmons or James Harden. Oh, Ben Simmons for James Harden. I knew that. I knew that was coming up at some point. I knew that was coming up at some point. <laughs> I mean, listen, I, uh, you know what? The last podcast I actually had uh, Paul Hudrick on and he actually mentioned, My guy. He, he actually mentioned something similar. He was like, you know what? He didn't mention them trading back, but he definitely mentioned that kind of anything is on the table when it comes to Daryl Morey. And I have to agree. So at that point, uh, let, let's just say you trade 21, um, you maybe package one of 34, 36, and you do trade back, maybe get a couple more picks in return, maybe get like a player that you'll just wave or something to create space. Uh, I, I feel like we're going to see like a lot of movement on draft night. Um, oh, yeah. But, I mean, hell, I mean, listen, like, for, for the sake of the draft, for the sake of the draft, I, I, I'm actually surprised you actually have Terrell Terry going before 21 because I know he's been shooting up draft boards. But where do you kind of see him landing? I mean, Miami's at 20. I don't see Miami taking him because they got Robinson and Hero. Uh, who, who's sitting at 19? Is that Brooklyn? I don't see Brooklyn taking him at 19. I think Dallas is 18, Minnesota 17, 16. Oh, I forget. Maybe Phoenix. I, I, I don't know exactly. I mean, I, I, I could, I could see him like falling, maybe even towards the back end of the lottery. I, I just know that number one, like, like high IQ basketball players are always like, they're always in contention to sort of fly up the board. And I think the fact, number one, he was a freshman. Number two, his ability to shoot the ball and, and, and play out of the pick and roll. Um, and really just try to di- like digest the defense and read, you know, how the defense is playing and make passes is something that a lot of teams are attracted to. So I just think that there's someone some, somewhere in there that, that, that would do it. And keep in mind, this is a really down year for, like, the revenue stream. So it wouldn't shock me if there's, like, a point guard that's overpaid um, – or it is an expensive point guard. Maybe they say, we're going to draft this kid, trade our guy, and then sort of let him grow and get off some of this and get off some salary as part of a bigger deal elsewhere. Right. Um, like there's a lot that could really happen. By the way, Portland is at 16. You were right about Minnesota and Dallas at 17 and 18, but Portland is at 16. Yeah. So, so you got one of the P teams. It just, it was, you know, Portland instead yeah, of Phoenix. Well, 
You know what? Like, I, I, I give you 99% accuracy there. I, I almost said Philadelphia, but then I forgot there's a new in front of the Philadelphia, so. Yeah, yeah. Listen, new Philadelphia. <laughs> new, new, new Philadelphia. I'm going to start calling them the new Philadelphia 76ers at this point because, to be honest with you, they're, they're going to be branded as that. <laughs> Speaking of rebranding, real quick, before we get before we jump into some more trade, trade, trade on brand. Agency, what do you think of the jerseys? I didn't think they were going to be exactly the same as the old ones because when so when when the person that I know from HSB HBSE uh, Harris Blitzer um, ownership group told me that they were going to come out with New Jersey's Tuesday 9 a.m. Ben helped in the design. My thought was, well, if you're bringing back the same old jerseys, there's nothing to help with the design. There's nothing really to change. So that kind of made me think that it was going to be different. I didn't know how different, but I generally thought like I was reading Braille when I first saw them. (laughs) I mean, they they kind of like gave us hints, subtle hints, like the boathouse row thing that they were doing on on Twitter and like the rowing crew. Yeah, yeah. The guy in the crew. Yeah, yeah. And like the and like the flashing boathouse lights. Oh yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, people are going to buy the jerseys because they're, it's like, it's just like a cool Jersey that there's a new one every year. Right. Um, they could have, and they should have done a lot better. And I think it was so, it was such an, it was so, been such an easy revenue grab in a down year to just literally go into this, go into like the old utility closet, dust off the ones and be like, just remake these and like and people will go crazy. It would have been the easiest thing in the world to do. It absolutely would have been easy because the fans have been clamoring for those jerseys to come back in any way, shape, or form. They have been wanting those uh, Iverson era jerseys to come back in the worst way possible. Now, I know a lot of people will argue that the jerseys are overrated and they're only popular because Allen Iverson was so great in those jerseys. But <laughs> I wonder who. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen, we've had this kind of, we've, we've had that debate before, but like, you know, the way I see it is like they wore those jerseys up until what, 2009, I think was the last year they wore those jerseys. Oh eight oh nine, yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. That was the year they lost to Orlando in the um in the first round. They should have won that series too, by the way. That Hito Turkoglu shot at the end of game four. Yeah, Hito Turkoglu was cold blooded. Hit that step. He hit that like that, that, that like a double crossover three right in Thad Young's fl- face, and I, and I was like, ooh, it's, it's cold. Listen, even after even after Thad Young uh, took Rashard Lewis baseline for the game winner in game three too, like oh, I mean, listen, that's playoff basketball. Andre and Miller. Huh. And, then, and then, oh, yeah, the great Andre Miller. Oh Shout God. out to Dave Early. Shout out to Dave Early. Um, but, like, you know, going back to that series real quick, this will be the last thing I touch on it. Game six at home, Orlando's got no Dwight Howard. You have a chance to force a game seven, and you lose to Marching Gortat. <laughs> like, I mean, come like on. Courtney Lee. <laughs> yeah, you lose to Marching Gortat and Courtney Lee. Like, come on, man. Like, that, that, that's, that's poor. Like, there's no way that should have happened. And Elton Bram is a player on that team. On the 09 team, he he got hurt. He he did. He he oh, had like yeah. He got he hurt. Came he came down in the playoffs. Yeah, he came down like on his shoulder in Milwaukee and like dislocated his shoulder or something. I do remember that Elton was on that team. They had just signed him too. That was his first year there. Yeah, that was the Philly Max. It was yeah, like the, to the to going to the Philly Max. Yes, the new Philly Max. So the Sixers won't have a Philly Max to offer anybody in free agency this year. <laughs> 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 That's a good segue. I like that, Austin. They've got. <laughs> They have $6 million to spend in free agency. Now, I don't know if anybody has really checked them out. Uh, I've kind of been, getting, been putting together these free agency guides, focusing on, on a couple of different options over on SixersWire.com. Now, a couple of guys I've kind of come up with, Austin, 
for the in terms of point guards, I've looked at DJ Augustine, I've looked at Jeff Teague, um, and I've also looked at Yogi Ferrell. But Yogi Ferrell would kind of be like the very last last option. The main option would kind of be Augustine and Teague because they're two veteran guys. Teague made Teague has made his money. Augustine has kind of bounced around. At this point, they're they're on the wrong side of thirty. They want to chase a championship, and they'd probably come cheap. And it's not like Teague and Augustine are scrubs. So, do you think the Sixers probably go after one of those guys, or they look at maybe a guy like Langston Galloway? Like like like, who do you think? Those are two interesting names you brought up there. I wonder why you brought them up. <laughs> um, yeah, I I have a very strong suspicion that uh, Galloway and uh, DJ Augustine are at the top of their list. I think um, number one, you just need a pick and roll ball handler and someone that can actually right. like, like, like will, will actually step into a three right. off of a screen. If you go under mm-hmm. and like make the shot, like imagine that concept. Um, and I think Augustine has really tight handles. Like he's a better player than, than I think people realize because he plays virtually always on regional networks instead of national televised games. Right. Um, so, I mean, I think he'd be a good option with an MLE um, or, Langston Galloway is a, is, a, is a good shooter. Um, he knows the area. So he went to St. Joe's. Um, two guys that are kind of fitting that Daryl Morey bill of um, perhaps underrated, maybe a little bit discarded. Um, and they can slot into a role, fit what the team needs. And I think they make a lot of sense for sure. Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, does they, they both look like – they they make the most sense and they both fit the roster. And even what you said about Augustine, you're absolutely right because the Magic really haven't been very good the last couple of years. And then, um, you know, they made the playoffs. He stepped up. He drilled a game winner in game one in Toronto to beat the Raptors last year. Uh, so I'm, I'm sure I'm sure that kind of caught some people's eyes about what Augustine can really do. But, yeah, like like to that point, do you know how nice it would be to have somebody go onto the screen and have the point guard pull up and, and knock a shot down? I think it was Derek Bodner from The Athletic. He pointed something out that the Sixers only made like 1.7 pull-up threes per game this year or something. It was like near the bottom of the league. And this, the, Sixers, the, like the Sixers <laughs> are missing. They have been missing that guy yeah. who can pull up for a shot like that for the longest time. Oh, by the way, we, we have breaking Rockets news. Oh, what's that? The Rockets are hiring Will Weaver as assistant coach of the joint Stephen Silas staff, according to Mark Stein. <laughs> That's the news that we wanted editing in the free agency week. <laughs> you know what? I, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure. You know, I just, I'm looking at it right now. I, I bet Harden and Ross signed off on that. If you, don't, don't you think? For sure. I, I, when I saw that with those rumors coming out, I was, I was thinking to myself, this makes no sense because if if I know anything about the NBA, if you have two star level players, you're going to consult with them about who the next coach of the team is. And I'm sure that when, with Daryl Morey leaving an imprint there, they weren't about to do anything without consulting Russell Westbrook and and and, and James Harden. So the fact right. that they now now went out, I thought was wild. Right, right. So touching on James Harden, we'll, we'll actually get to him later. You know, like right because right now we're, we're talking about free agency at the moment, but. I feel like if, I feel like if you were to put together like the top three names of free agency for them, the guys that make the most sense are Augustine, Galloway, and probably Teague. Um, oh, actually, you know what? He, here's another name I kind of that kind of threw out at me. What about Garrett Temple? 
Yeah, um, that 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 is a good name, and I think that sort of fits the bill. Maybe even like an Alan Crab. Um, an, an, another name, another name that I think, if they're really serious about getting off of the Horford contract, Myers Leonard, um, somebody that 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 could be a stretch five for you, is comfortable in like a limited role. Is just a physical presence, gives you thirteen to fourteen good minutes per night off the bench. Um, plus, come cheap. Yeah, plus he played for the Heat, so you know he's been working since 2 a.m. every day. Oh, yeah. Um, like, like, listen, him and Jimmy Butler, they've been in the gym since 2 a.m. I mean, like, the minute the minute you get with Jimmy Butler, you're in the gym. 2 a.m., 3 a.m. Come on, let's go. If you're not in the gym before Jimmy Butler is at 11.30 at night, you're not pulling in an all-nighter in the gym, you're you're not working hard. Like, it's, who needs sleep? Like, listen, have no, the off nobody works harder than Jimmy Butler, though, Austin. Nobody works harder yeah, than him. I know. It's great. It's, it's <laughs> like, like, like. What a hero. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, I agree. I concur. Fires Leonard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's got he's got to be it. And he can shotgun beer. That's so good for my podcast brand. It's ridiculous. This is true. I've seen him. We all watched that video of him in the bubble down there. Shotgun and beer. Good for Myers Leonard. And you know what? Maybe I, I'm probably I'm in the I'm probably in the minority here, but I don't think he played all that bad for the Heat this year. I mean, the Heat no. the Heat started him uh, pretty much every game up until the bubble. Um, and, and they only asked him to play like 15 minutes a night, as you mentioned, 14 to 15 minutes a night. And they only asked him to shoot the ball well from deep, which he did to a you know, relative extent. And he blocked shots and grabbed a couple of boards a night. And when Bam Adebayo went down in the NBA Finals, Spolstra had enough confidence to turn to Leonard again and had him start in game two and game three of that series of uh, the finals this year. And, you know, he did an okay job. So it's Myers Leonard make, makes a lot of sense, but only if you're going to bring him in on like, you know, you're only going to pay him like one and a half mil, two mil, something like that. That way yep. you can make another move to improve the roster. Yeah. And I think, I, I just think that number one, even though Myers Leonard eventually got played out of the rotation, Right. It was because of the emergence of, of Bam Adebayo. Like we're talking about a guy that was a candidate, or I, I can't remember if he won or not, was a candidate for most improved player. Forget if he won or not. But, um, but I mean, he was, he's le- legitimately top five big man in the NBA right now. Um, so it wasn't like, like it was his job to lose. It was that Bam just blew up onto the scene. But I think Myers Leonard can give you 10 to 15 good minutes off the bench any given night, stretch the floor. That way Ben doesn't feel like he is like has no space if Ben's still here by then. Right. Um, and it was and, Brandon Ingram, by the way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Brandon Ingram. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Um, but I, I just think that if you needed a center, you don't give them four years, $109 million <laughs> to be a backup. <laughs> you, know, you know what, Austin? I've always said, I've always said, like, you could totally justify letting Jimmy Butler walk. You really could. But then all of that goes out the window the minute you sign Al Horford to a to a four year hundred nine million dollar deal. Yeah, like pe- people, I keep trying to impress upon this. It's not that they let Jimmy Butler walk. That can that th- that is somewhat sensible. He you know he he was he was you know tough in the locker room. I don't care what anybody says he is a tough guy. Uh, yes. He and Ben Simmons butt heads. He's older. He's almost thirty. Yeah. And I don't know that he can be the number one guy on the championship winning team. He, he I mean he proved he can't. He hasn't won one yet. I mean they didn't win. Um, but by the same token, like it isn't that they let him go. It's that 
your, your, your go-to option was then to go get another center who was older, try to play him at power forward, and give him $109 million. <laughs> right, exactly. All of that goes out the window the minute you make that Horford deal. I mean, and it just it didn't help that all throughout the playoffs, Butler was coming up with play after play after play down the stretch, and the Heat, and the Heat made the NBA Finals. And then Butler delivered two pretty amazing. Oh yeah, uh, no, he was tremendous this year. Performances. So he, this was an unbelievable year for Butler. Yeah, like listen, you no, know, a, a lot of all the credit goes to Butler. But as you mentioned, as I just mentioned, you can you can justify letting Butler go. But it, again, it all goes out the window the minute you sign Horford to the deal you sign. So it's not like you're upset that Butler left. You're upset because you gave that money to Al Horford. Right, right, right. Instead of bringing in like a, you know, a better piece or at least a piece that matches what Butler can bring to the table. Now we're, we're going to kind of move on to trades real quick. Now, Daryl Morey, master of trades, makes a ton of them. He made a bold one, very bold one at the deadline. His last kind of finishing piece with the Rockets, bringing in Robert Covington, Moving Clint Capella, Robert, Robert Covington, to the Atlanta Hawks, and putting good old Robert Covington at center. Now, would Maury hit up Raphael Stone, you know, his understudy over in Houston, and be like, "Listen, buddy, you're not going nowhere. Russell Westbrook is leaving. You need some size. I will give you Al Horford." <laughs> this isn't just, and this isn't for Harden, by the way. What I'm about to say, this isn't for Harden. Because I still do believe that that's an unlikely scenario. I will give you Al Horford, and you that's a bad contract. You give me your bad contract. Give me Eric Gordon. What do you think? Well, he, what is he, four years? How much? He, may, he makes a little less than Horford. It's still like, a, it's still like an absolutely terrible deal. Was but it like he, six? Why did I think it was like $16 million per year for four years? Is, is it less than that? Uh, I'm going to look up the contract right now, but just as a player, though, as a player. Well, he he certainly fits the bill, um, and he is getting up there, and, he's, and he is older. And, of course, everyone forgets how to shoot when they come to Philadelphia. So, I mean – Okay, yeah, you're not wrong. But <laughs> – Okay, so, I, listen, so I, Gordon's going to make $16 million next year. Yeah. He's going to make $18 million the year after that. 34. He's going to make $19 million the year after that. 53. And then – He's going to make $20 million in 2023-24, but that is not guaranteed. So that's $73 million. So that's a lot less than Horford is, um, and it's a better fitting piece. I would probably hands down do that deal. I would. Right. Um, and, I mean, because even that per year is like what? More than $10 million more or $10 million fewer dollars per year you're paying out Horford, that opens up some space for you to do some things, especially in a down economy right now in, in the NBA. I would do that. I think that's, that's a sensible deal. I just I, – I have this impression, and I, and I – this isn't sourced or anything. I just have this, this, this feeling like there's no way Daryl Morey accepts a job in Philly yeah, or le- and leaves Houston if they're like, you got to sit on your hands and, and on your hands and not trade – not make not make ballsy trades when they right. when, when when you find them and so i think part of the business is going to be trying to sort of salvage and, and get get something and get out of that horford deal right but i think it's also going to be okay now that we've you know like gotten over that mess we have to make this team better 
like a championship team. And he said in his press conference, Hey, how do we, how do we win one in the next three years? That's my, that's my window. That's, that's how I view things. Yeah. And I think that kind of put the blueprint for what he's trying to do. And I think he, I, I, I don't think that Ben Simmons is going to be here in three years. I don't. You know what? The only way I see them trading Ben or Joel is if they fail initially under doc. That is when I think Daryl will begin kind of turning his turning, you know, the wheels in his head, trying to see what he can do to improve the roster. Now, I know a lot of people are going to kind of read into his um, comments on his on press conference day, like, oh, I love Joel. Joel's my guy. Uh, you know, I'm going to fa- – then, then he FaceTimed Joel, like, later that night as sort of like his welcome to Philadelphia and everything. And people – People kind of took that as like a slight towards Ben Simmons. Be like, oh, he didn't talk about Ben too much. Like, oh, we know Ben's leaving now. But then he went on the fanatic the next morning and gushed all about Ben Simmons. So it's like, it's like, I don't know. You kind of read the tea leaves. Austin, you're a little better at that than I am. So who knows? Maybe Ben maybe will not, maybe Ben won't be here in three years. But just for me, I feel like you have to give them a fair shake under Doc. You gotta let Doc kind of run the show for a little bit and see what you can do with them. Let me ask you this. Okay. What if, what if you like going to doc, what you said, what if that, what if doc's idea is to get rid of Ben Simmons? Then so be it. You kind of go from there, but doc like compared those two to magic and Kareem in February (laughs) when the Clippers were here. So I feel like you have to give, you have to kind of like let doc get his hands on the two of them. Yeah. And, and be like, oh, be like, okay, Doc, what's your vision for these guys? And then you go from there. But I kind of see what you're saying, though. I, I'm, also, I'm also in the camp that Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid could win a championship together. Like, I, I am fully in that camp. You know, like, you know how people love we're on Dion Waiters Island, which confused me. People loved Dion Waiters Island. I am on the island that Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid could win a title together, and I will die on that hill. I hope you're right. I, I I hope I hope it doesn't take sacrificing your bridge to your future if Joel gets hurt in right. order to get to that championship. Right. But also, at the same time, like everyone's like like a, a lot of writers and a lot of like media people are like, um, and I won't name names, but the, but but they're but they're basically like you can't possibly trade uh, Ben for 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 James Harden, and I don't think it's nearly as like oh like scoffing like ridiculous comment the bottom right. line is this at the end of the day like put put aside your 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 whatever ben simmons means to you from a sentimental standpoint yeah and look at it as this the goal in all sports is to win a championship yep daryl Morey is trying to win a championship doc rivers yep. is trying to win a championship the sixers owners are trying to win a championship yep. if that means trading ben simmons to make the team better to get closer to that championship and if you think, and, and if you, and if you as a franchise and organization have the conviction of that, yeah, then who cares what we, th- what, the, what, what the fans and the media think? Just do it. Do what you think makes you better. No, for sure. And like, what you're saying makes a lot of sense. But if they just put the right pieces around Ben and Joel, which means shooting rather than another center trying to play him a power forward, imagine that. Then you're okay. Like people seem to forget. People want to blame so much. Ben and Joel, but we seem to forget two years ago, they, those two had an offensive rating of like 116.2. When they, when the things fit together. And then and then, and sort then of, even during the Jimmy Butler year, I think the offensive rating was like 114.2 or 0.4, something like that. And then it dropped to 104 this year. And everybody's like, oh my God, Joel and Ben can't play together. 
Yeah. No, it's no, it's because you let JJ and Jimmy go when you're placing with Josh and Al. <laughs> like, I mean, come on. I also think we can't understate this. Okay. Like last year, the Sixers offense, and this is—I mean, last year, I'm back. This whole season kind of runs together now because it's basically, so weird. So, yeah, so like basically, to me, last season, even though it's technically going to be the 2019-20 season, to me, the last season was 2018-19. I so, know, it's so weird. Right. I totally get what you're saying. Right, right. So, like, the, the offense last season was w- – w- even though it was, like, you have more firepower, yeah. it still wasn't better because you didn't have the depth. In 2017 right. – right. 2017-18, you had Bellinelli, you had Ilyasova. You, you had – they aren't that good of players, but they gave you something to sort of add some extra gas when you had to rest your two young studs. Yeah. And so – that offense hummed like a bird because the pieces around the starting unit fit well. And it was reinforcement of what they already had and yeah. it made it. And, and now they have turnover. Like roster turnover kills you. It kills you. And, and even though you ha- it's necessary, you have to make the right moves. So to, to have roster turnover and then compound it by bad decisions, <laughs> that doesn't help you get closer to the goal <laughs> for your young players, especially <laughs> flawed young players. No, I mean, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. At the end of the day, just you, you got to have some type of consistency to make sure that they're okay, you know, moving forward with the roster around Ben and Joel. But just I'm on I'm on this bandwagon. I think Ben and Joe can't really bring a championship here to Philadelphia to put the right pieces around them. Yeah. Now we're running out of time here, guys. So I, I I thought that I would bring up a story uh, that involved me and Austin over the summer. It was Fourth of July weekend, 2020, and. Um, all, like, listen, I was still living in South Jersey at the time. I wasn't in New Philadelphia just yet. I was in South Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> I was just in South Jersey. <laughs> I hadn't moved yet. So Austin comes over. We play a little basketball. We, we talk a little trash, played some hoops. I was hooping, hooping. Hooping, hooping. So, so that's, that's all that matters to me. Hooping, <laughs> hooping. So we were playing some games, and then he goes, hey, man, how about you come back over to my house? We chill out the pool, have some drinks. We'll chill out. I was like, no, it sounds like a good idea. He was like, all right, man, follow me. That, so, that, that was my first mistake. <laughs> so I'm, I'm following Austin, trying to go home. We're trying to go to his house. And uh, guys, my brakes fail. <laughs> and I completely just ram into Austin. <laughs> and we were two, we were, I want to say, a quarter of a mile away from my house. <laughs> we barely left my house. It was, it, my first reaction was, shit. You did it again. Because <laughs> like I, I have a history of, of bad car accidents. Like I do. Like right. like like, and not even like bad in the sense that they were like 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 horribly tragic incidents, but like there were car accidents that could have been regret, could have been prevented, right? But weren't. Right. Uh, so then I realized, oh, there's nothing in front of me. So who, what, what, what just happened? And then I realized that Kai hit me in the back. So I called my dad, and. And so he's so tell him what happened. And the first thing he says to me is like, I have yet to see anything good of you becoming a journalist. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Oh God. So so listen, guys. So the point of the the result of this story, I had just got my car insurance done. So I'll like redone. I've been doing good. And I was like, yo, do not put this to insurance. I will pay for it. So I paid Austin $1,200 or $1,300, some close to that, to pay for his car. Then I had to get the body work done on my car, plus fix my brakes that obviously failed on me. 
So mine came out to $2,200 <laughs> to get fixed. I remember you're like, you're like telling me there's, there's no way this is going to be a thousand dollars. And my dad, so I get home and my mom and dad take a look at the car. They're like, they're like, they're like, are you, are you, to me, they're like, are you awesome? Are you, are you stupid? And I'm like, yeah. why? And, and they're like, this isn't going to be a thousand dollars. This is going to be like, we're, we're pushing like 5,000. And I was like, whoa, 5,000. Oh man. Good, good, good thing. Good thing it didn't. Good thing it didn't. <laughs> I don't know how I'd be able to do that. And then my dad was like skeptical. He was like, he's like, is this kid really going to demo you? And I, and I was like, like dad, just, just trusted it's Kai. And he's like, he's, he's like, I don't know who Kai is. And I'm like, you don't know who Kai is. You read the Sixers Wire before you read me. What are you talking about? He's like, he's like, he's like, he's like oh, that's Kai. You know Kai. And I was like. I text Kyle all the time. We're friends. And, he, and, he, and, he, and he's like, I like that guy. He writes short, concise articles. I know what you're talking about when you talk to me because I read his stuff. And I'm, and, I, and I'm like, I'm like, you need to read my shit. And he's like, I know I don't. It's too long. Oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> Shout out to Mr. Krell. Shout out to Mr. Krell. That's amazing. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> so yeah guys th that is me and austin were already friends before that car accident but uh fit the car accident made made the bond just a little bit tighter buddy we made it a little bit closer there yeah we facetimed jason <laughs> he saw he's like he's like ah oh, shit <laughs> yeah big shout out to jason blevis as well a very good friend of ours in the sixers media yeah. contingent really so, really big mentor of me for sure so austin final thoughts man final thoughts i think it's going to be a very active uh Next couple of days, the rumors are going to swirl. I, I, I've been saying this for a week. I would be shocked if the clock takes like midnight on Sunday and Woj isn't just like depleting his drafts, just like one after the other, like boom, 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 <laughs> boom, 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 boom. And we're just seeing them on top of each other, like by momentarily. So buckle, buckle up. It's going to be a wild week and uh, it's going to be fun for sure. Agreed. It's going to be a wild week in Sixer land as we get set for the NBA draft on uh, Wednesday, and then for agency, it's going to begin two days later. So it's going to be a wild, wild time in the NBA as we get set for the 2020-21 season. Getting set to start December 22nd. Austin, tell everybody where they can follow you on Twitter, man. Find me on find, find me on Twitter, NBA Krell. I always keep my DMs open. So any hate mail, any questions, any comments, any one just want to talk ball, I'm always there. Um, and yeah, just you know, I'm all I'm always I'm always new content new content for me every day, pretty much. And then I will end this off by reminding everybody that Batman is an awful superhero oh, and, that, and, that <laughs> and that the Twix bar is a very bad candy bar. So with that being said, we're out. <laughs> see you guys next time on The Bell Ringer.